So I want to thank everyone for listening to my podcast today. I am so excited. I've had a few posts about the person that I am interviewing today. Um, She is an accomplished writer. Um, I have been following her for a couple years. She she writes all over in magazines, um, especially excerpts of books that she's wrote. I kind of follow along and I've absolutely fell in love with her. Um, She is currently an associate professor at the University of Delaware. Um, And the reason I have her on the call today is because she has this wonderful book um, that will be released this month. And I'll let her talk a little bit more about it. But um, the book is called Dressed in Dreams. So I want to thank Tanisha Ford for um, actually coming and coming into this podcast today to explain her journey, her path, um, being her authentic self. So Thank you, Tanisha. How are you doing today? I'm fine. Thank you. It's an honor to be on the podcast with you. Thank you so much. So tell the listeners right now where you're currently located. Like, what's your location right now? Where are you? Right now, I'm in Harlem in my home. So I've been living in Harlem for about five years now. So I think I can start calling New York City home. (laughs) So yeah, I'm at home. (laughs) Yeah, you always have to like figure out when's the right time to say like it's home you always feel like kind of like a fake person to say oh I'm from you know I live in heart no I have to spend (laughs) some time in that place for a little bit before I can officially say home so I totally understand what you're saying so yeah in Harlem New York is like really close to my heart like I always imagine my single self living in Harlem but of course I'm a mother of four kids and uh yeah I just visit from time to time to kind of get the food and the fun so I'm so jealous of your lifestyle I always watch through the internet Ah, thank you. You know, I'm trying to get down south to you. You're in New Orleans, right? Yes, I'm in New Orleans. Not even a year yet. And it's part of the reason why I started the podcast, because it's such an interesting place. All the French inspiration, the food and the hard time of losing weight. Okay, (laughs) like food on every corner. I can imagine. I always eat a a ton every time I go to New Orleans. (laughs) Oh my gosh, you can't help it. It's like food everywhere. So... I just want to jump into this podcast quickly because I know you have time constraints and you're very busy and you're promoting your book. Um, But just um, to give my listeners a little bit of information and background, Tanisha Ford, and are you a doctor? Yes. Yes. Yes, I have a PhD in history. Yeah, she's a doctor. But the funny thing about it, she's from Fort Wayne, Indiana as well. A lot of the people um, that I interview are from my hometown and I've kind of crossed paths with these people um, and we may not be close or interacted very much, but I think we're, you know, I think I would even say elementary school. I don't know for sure. I know for sure middle school, but did we go to the same elementary school? Possibly. We did. Yeah. We certainly did. <laughs> yeah. So we went to Village Woods Elementary and then it funneled into Village Woods Middle School. And then I moved on to a different school district and um, yeah, lost touch. And then the whole social media boom happened. And that's where I found you again. And I'm like, Hey, this girl <laughs> is rocking out. Let me go ahead and follow Miss Tanisha and see. So I've been just loving the journey, but within the journey, and I, and and what really made me fall in love with you, Tanisha, was an excerpt that you did in regards to your family that moved from the south, relocated as many did during the Great Migration. Um, you know when our grandparents all came and moved up north. Um, And you talked about the history of your father and the family and the way you described it was so eloquent. 
and it, the words it almost feels like a lot of African Americans have the same kind of history in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where our, our family is from the South. And I literally feel like I'm back home being in New Orleans because I was raised by my grandparents. So they raised me in a Southern style, but we were up North and they had these dreams for their family. And then there's a turn in your story. Um, and hopefully people can find that excerpt, but there's a turn of tragedy in your story. And just the way the view of Fort Wayne, Indiana and the people who were raised in it and these dreams that we had, it just kind of falls off and it kind of leads us to explore other places which Fort Wayne used to be kind of like this hub of oh my god I'm, I'm bringing my family up north you know we had the harvester um, a lot of the steel companies were in Fort Wayne Indiana mm -hmm. and then everything just dropped off and now a lot of the African Americans are looking for these other places to call their home so that's when I officially um, fell in love with you but you know to put the to put the uh, conversation on you can you please um, just kind of give some background about who you are, what your journey is since Fort Wayne, like some of your passions, and kind of what led you into this authentic path of being Dr. Tanisha Ford. Yes, you know, I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I have such a, an interesting relationship to that place. Interesting, I say, I say because as a Black girl going, growing up in Fort Wayne in the 1980s in particular, it wasn't always the easiest place. Um, mm -hmm. It was still very segregated as a city. Yes. Um, it wasn't a city where Black kids in particular were encouraged to do a lot in the way of arts, like creative writing, um, fine arts, drawing, painting, etc. There just wasn't a real pipeline for the creative arts in Fort Wayne because it was such a factory-oriented town. And it was just assumed that many people would go into those factories and fortunately for us our generation was encouraged more so than our parents generation to go to college and so for me college became a way to imagine myself beyond Fort Wayne and its confines. And so I left Fort Wayne and originally went to Clark Atlanta University. So again, having that taste of the South and feeling a different kind of connectedness to both my roots as a black girl whose family was from the South, but also as a black girl coming of age in the hip hop generation. Mm. And Atlanta really kind of launched me into this more creative path. And I knew that writing would be a vehicle through which I would express myself and my identity and all that. And so flash from Atlanta, I moved to Indiana, back to Indiana, to Indiana University, where I ended up getting my bachelor's degree in English literature and Africana studies. And then I earned a master's in Afro-American studies from the University of Wisconsin in Madison. And then I went back to Indiana again to receive a PhD in 20th century U.S. history. And so it's like, again, Indiana has been this kind of fraught place for me. On the one hand, I've had so many amazing opportunities and experiences there and have built rich bonds with people in the community. But then there have been these other places like Atlanta, like New York City, that have really allowed me to imagine myself creatively. And so it's, it's really been like through graduate school and then postgraduate school where I've been writing more, writing more for Elle magazine, for The Atlantic, The New York Times, um, but then also writing my own books. And so Dressed in Dreams is really a story that brings together so much of the work that I've written for various magazines with the kind of work that I do as a trained 
historian. And so it really just tells the story of dress and the importance of fashion for Black communities. And it roots that story in the coming of age narrative of a Black girl growing up in the Midwest, right? Because people don't think that folks in the Midwest care about fashion or that we are fashionable, but we are. We have our own style. We have our own way of doing things. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) I want to interject and hold your thought right there that we're still in the Midwest. And honestly, you know, I'm a person and which is why this is why I started my podcast. I'm more of a person who Um, you know, I don't really think of myself as a creative person, but people like you are creative, you created a podcast or even in your business, you you think of things in a creative way, but I'm very analytical. And not only am I analytical, I'm very much about the inside of a person and who they are and what makes them, you know, authentic and what's at the core. So it's not so much. And my sister's like, April, you really need to step your fashion game up. Okay. Like you're in New Orleans, you need to be getting out. But honestly, there's that's I, maybe that's why I'm intrigued by you so much because you do talk about fashion. And my parents, you know, we get to look at these pictures from the 70s of right. our parents falling in love. And there's always this story behind, you know, how they dress. My parents would dress alike or would have their leather jacket and jeans and their afros. And it's always this story behind fashion. So when you started to talk about the history you know of your mother and and how she's into fashion because I remember your mom Amy Ford who's a police officer is she still or is she retired in Fort Wayne she's retired now yeah but I would see her you know at the you know at the hair shop or you know on her off time from work and I would see her like dressed up in her like African garbs and stuff so I was like wait a minute that's Amy you know that's because I think she was even a dare officer at one time for us in elementary school Mm-hmm. So I would see her, but yeah, similar feelings that, you know, fashion is tied to history. We have our own culture, um, you know, and, and I absolutely love being an African-American because we created this whole culture for ourselves, even though we get pushed to the sidelines, you know, a lot in the big scope of the world. We are ultimate um, in recreating ourselves. Um, I even talked about that in one of my podcasts as far as hair how historically we were told to cover our hair up and the kinkiness and the curliness because it was a distraction, yet we figured out ways to even tie our hair up in a creative and the most beautiful fashion. So I'm sorry to interrupt your story, but I had to throw that in there. I knew that was something that I wanted to talk about my family as well and fashion and how you tied that all in. But to get back to the book, what what was the culmination of you um, creating this book and even talk about the point because I even think I've seen on social media that you brought in an element as far as Rihanna and this boom that she is starting this whole Fenty line and there's an element of some research that you've done in the past if you could tie that in as well so if we could get back to the book you know what at what point did you say you know what I'm I'm about to write this book and just kind of talk about it a little bit. When I started to write Dressed in Dreams, I had just come off of writing a book called Liberated Threads that looks at how Black women incorporated dress and hairstyling into their activism in the civil rights and Black power movement era around the world. And that book was more for an academic audience. And an editor approached me and asked me, have you ever thought about writing about dress and fashion and its importance to the Black community for a general audience? And I've been wanting to write things that were more accessible, that everybody could read, that my friends and family could see themselves in. And so I I told her that, yes, I I would want to write something. And I started sitting down to think about what exactly could I write or how could I write it in a way that resonated with people? So I decided ultimately that what if each chapter was focused on a garment? 
And I use that garment to tell a history around it, but that's couched in all of my embarrassing stories. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot wait to tell it all of my business, you know? (laughs) So there's various chapters that kind of allow me again to tell that migration narrative of how my family came from Alabama and how my parents got together in the 70s, Black Power era. So there's chapters on the dashiki, Um, But then there's also chapters that are ripped straight from our generation on like tennis shoes, which is what we call sneakers in the Midwest, Mm -hmm. uh, bamboo earrings, coochie cutters or like hot (laughs) pants, you know, Um, (laughs) the hoodie, like all that stuff. I use those garments to tell a narrative that I think that while it in many ways centers my life. So many people will be able to see their lives, their family's lives, yes. their big cousins' lives. In yes. So that was it. Like, I wanted to really write something that was deeply personal, that'll make you cry, that'll make you laugh, you know, that'll make you want all those old clothes back again. Like, I wish I could find, like, a cross-colors jacket now. Yes. You know, all those kind of memories. I wanted to center those in a book that everybody from high schoolers to, you know, fully grown adults could read. So what is the the aspect as far as the Fenty? There's a particular picture that she advertised during the drop of, you know, the whole clothing line. And I actually think I saw that piece from you as well. So can you talk about that a little bit? And and what is the tie of the person um, in particular for that particular picture? So Rihanna has become quite the beauty and fashion mogul in the past several years. Love her. And right. She's everything. Mm -hmm. And she's launching her where she just launched her Fenty line with LVMH, which is a luxury conglomerate based in Paris. And this is a big deal because she's the first black woman to have a new house um, or maison under LVMH since like well, ever. There's never been a black ever. woman, but she's the ever. first one, right? She, and it's the first new house under that that label um, since 1987. Mm-hmm. So she then is trying to find like inspiration for her clothing and her line. And she turns to this photographer named Kwame Brathwaite, who is a Brooklyn-born, Bronx-raised documentary photographer who is known for popularizing the phrase black is beautiful and like Rihanna Brathwaite has roots in Barbados so it just really made sense that she would be drawn to him and his imagery and his life story but like Rihanna Brathwaite was a young socially conscious um, fashion forward photographer but who also had this group called the Grandassa models and they were like this group of natural haired black women who made their own clothes in the early 1960s Mm. so Rihanna's like going through his archive of photographs and she's like what what like look (laughs) at this one and look at this dress and look at you know look at these pants and Mm -hmm. so she's drawn to the clothes that these women are making now I've been writing on Kwame Brathwaite and the Grandassa models since I was a graduate student wow so he featured prominently in my first book Liberated Threads but then his family reached out to me because around 2014 they started to really compile his archive of photographs a lot of which hadn't been previously shared publicly so they came to me seeing that I had written on him before and asked would I be involved in this process and I said sure so, so from there like no we have to go him. back we have to stop mm-hmm. okay. what was your feelings inside because we don't celebrate a lot like we go through life and we we hit these milestones and we push on but what was your true feelings inside when you heard from his family 
Well, it was really like my jaw dropped. I still, I kept the email that I got from his son (laughs) because when I was a graduate student doing, I come to Harlem for like the first time. I was doing research at the Schomburg Center and I was introduced to his photographs. I found them in the archive in the Schomburg and I've been trying to reach out to him. This is back when AOL email addresses were things. This is let you know how long ago it was, right? So I reached out, I reached out and I never heard back from him. So then to finally see that name in my inbox, I was like, wait a minute, what? You have made it. (laughs) Like you have made it. Oh, yes. So then I, you know, I started working with the son. I got to finally meet his father, the photographer, Kwame Brathwaite Sr. I got to meet the wife who was a Grandassa model. And then they introduced me to other Grandassa models and I got to interview them. And so we just wrote this book called Kwame Brathwaite, Black is Beautiful, that was recently published. And so when Rihanna is talking about her inspiration for her new Fenty line in a conversation with Vogue Australia, she mentions that my research... <laughs> um, helped her learn more about him and, and you know explaining how he became the inspiration behind the Fenty line. And so, I was just like, Rihanna? Like this is me, this is my name, name, my work. <laughs> no, this is like so much like tying me to you even more because Rihanna has come out, you know, I love Beyonce and all the empowerment that she has. And now Rihanna seems like she's taking the baton. But, you know, just for her being a woman to come to America and experience some of the things that she did at a very young age and then to take time away for herself self-care and then to come back out with even more power like that is my tide of Rihanna you know she took that energy a lot of times it breaks people and you they could fall off the face of the earth but she actually took that time you know to reassess herself and to get into that self-care and she came back harder so that even ties me more into you because Rihanna is someone that you know I you know I look to for inspiration myself like I literally have a picture of her on my wall, one of my friends came over and they're like, uh, April, people don't don't put celebrities on their wall. This isn't like middle school or anything. <laughs> but no, she's true inspiration. So this ties she me is. to you. This, tr- this truly ties me to you even more because you actually have <clears throat> information and, and data for her to like pull from and get inspiration for her pieces. But go ahead yeah. with your story. Go ahead. No, and, and so just being, again, a black girl from Fort Wayne, Indiana, there's never, I never could have even dreamed that Rihanna would cite my work, you know? And that to me was just a testament. I really feel that I'm on the right path, that I am doing the things that I am uniquely gifted to do and that I'm charting out a path that I only hope would inspire other Black girls, especially Black girls from no-name towns and cities that no one's ever heard of, you know, to know that you can reach all of your dreams and then some things that you never even imagined. And here's a little snippet for any young person, because I learned this while working with um, young people in STEM, and I worked under an executive director And he helped me realize that not everybody could be a LeBron or everybody cannot be a Rihanna and affect the world in that way. But people who fall into STEM or become writers like yourself, you can affect the world in different ways. So this is how you're affecting the world. If you know your research actually had an impact on how Rihanna wanted to style her clothes and um, also the person who uh, um, actually just went for her dream. You know, so I really appreciate that. But I want to talk about um, something else for young people. Like, how did you know that you wanted to be a writer? Was it at a very young age? 
that you kind of realized that you wanted to be a writer? Like, where was this peak from? Well, I, w- I do think that it started at a very young age. Um, I went to a school in Fort Wayne, an elementary school, where we would have to write our own books and illustrate them. And then if you were selected, you could go to the Young Authors Conference, which was held at Northrop High School. And it seemed so big and grand back then. Right. I know. We were so small in that school. <laughs> you know? So I wrote and published quote unquote, published. My first grade teacher helped me publish it. (laughs) My first book, you know, when I was in elementary school and I had a passion for writing. I think it was sparked then because again, as a black girl in this space that was only a stone's throw away from the heart of Ku Klux Klan country in Indiana, you know, it wasn't the easiest place to grow up, but writing allowed me to imagine new worlds and allowed me to create different characters and you know, really imagine the kind of world that I would want to live in. And so I continued to write, but then that skill kind of got buried as I moved into the regular, you know, curriculum of middle school and high school. But when I decided to become a McNair scholar in college, that program, it's named after Ronald E. McNair, the the astronaut who, um, where he was involved in in space exploration. And he created this pipeline for students of color and first-generation students and people from economically disadvantaged backgrounds to get their PhD and to join the professoriate. And so following that path in college allowed me to imagine being a professor because growing up, I never knew how somebody became a professor. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I I never knew any of that. Um, Mm -hmm. But once I was introduced, then that program allowed me to conduct my own independent research and it allowed me to really reimagine myself as a writer. And for it just went from there where I just took that training and that ability or those skills I was learning as a researcher and combined them with my early interest and passion in creative writing. Well, that's good. So, I mean, at least for a young girl, a young black girl that's anywhere that's interested in writing and, you know, they're, they may be even struggling to write down their thoughts. You're kind of helping to show that path of how you followed from being a young girl through the young authors. I remember those that we had in elementary school all the way up and through college because I, you know I admit I am not a strong writer I'm more of a verbal person you know my religious background I, I had to go knock on doors so I'm able to verbalize my feelings or you know I'm able to hone in on a person and see how to connect with them through my words and you have found a way to do this with um, with writing your words down and I really think that um, it just unlocks the brain in a way to where like you said it could take you to so many different places and a lot of people struggle with writing it's very intimidating you know and sometimes when I look at your pieces it looks like works of art on a piece of paper you know so it's very it's very intimidating but at the same time I'm drawn to it because it talks about my history you know it talks it it brings me back to the Midwest and where I started so that what that is what piques me to like pick this book up by the way when's the release date of this book Dress in Dreams is officially released on June 25th, but people can pre-order now on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. It's even on Target.com and Walmart.com. So it's it's widely available and pre-orders do matter. Pre-orders kind of set the tone for both how your publisher and also how those online carriers of your book 
um, think that they should market it. So pre-orders matter. You can pre-order it today, but it won't arrive until June 25th. But once June 25th gets here, then it'll be available almost immediately after you order it. It should arrive in the mail a couple of days later. I cannot wait for everybody to have their copy of this book. (laughs) I cannot wait either. So to my listeners out there, everyone that's listening, please, please go pre-order the book or when it comes out on the 25th, please go get your copy she's an accomplished writer her writing is so beautiful you're going to learn so much about who she is you know our hometown of fort wayne her journey um please make sure you go out and get her book tell people about the book you're actually on the essence summer read list right yes i did now that was an honor you know growing up in a home where my mom had Essence Magazine under the table. Didn't everybody's mom have Essence Magazine? Girl, girl, you don't even know how much we're celebrating with you. Okay, when I saw that, I thought it was me. Okay, when I saw that. So I am so happy about that. So listeners, please go out, order the book. Um, And we're pretty much at the end of our podcast. So at the end of each podcast, I always give my um, um, guest an opportunity to talk to my audience and tell them, how they can reach out to you or where can they find you or find more work please talk to my audience and tell them where they can find you reach you or whatever questions they may have so i am highly reachable on social media you can add me as a friend on facebook or you can also find me on instagram and twitter at solista phd that's S-O-U-L-I-S-T-A-P-H-D on both Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at that handle. Also, to keep track of my tour dates and upcoming events, to read some of my online writing, to see some of my latest CBS news appearances and all that, you can also go to my website. That address is Tanisha, T-A-N-I-S-H-A, C-Ford.com. Tanisha, C-Ford.com. So, so excited for you. Please continue to walk in your path, girlfriend. You are showing legions the way to go to express themselves for self-love, for true authenticity. Like, bravo to you, girl. Like, for real, bravo to you. So, um, yeah, so when you make your way back down south, we are going to have to make up. I'll be at Essence Fest. I'll be at Essence Fest. So, I'll I'll be there early July. So, Because I have friends flying from up north to come down. We are going to have a ball and we will document. Well, maybe we won't document. But we're going to have a good time. So thank you for spending time with me. I know your time is precious. I always say time is the most expensive thing on earth. So you don't even understand how thankful I am for your time. And I look forward to seeing you, Tadisha. And good luck on your book and your tour. Thank you so much, April. All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. so listeners the episode that you just heard was with dr tanisha c ford and of course as she mentioned in the podcast that her book will drop and release on june 25th And if you did not catch during the podcast that she mentioned, it's just as important in that pre-order date um, for you to order her book so that she's positioned in a way to be successful um, and to sell many, many copies. She's already on a part of she's already a part of the Essence Summer Read 
group um, and so many others. So let's make her successful. And thank you for listening to April World Speaking. Um, please reach out to me through Instagram, Facebook. Also, make sure you're downloading that Anchor app so you can listen to all my new episodes. Um, I'm closing up season one pretty soon, and I will be taking a break for the summer, have a couple more interviews, and then I'll pick back up in the fall. But make sure at the end of each Anchor app um, interview that you hear or solo cast, please leave your comments. They've been coming in regularly, and I've been really enjoying them. So thank you for listening. And like I said in this podcast, time is something that is the most expensive thing on earth. And I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to my podcast. So I will talk to you on the next podcast. Thank you. And you have a great day. Bye.